Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary. We are a Buffy, Angel, and Good Place podcast. And I'm Allie. <laughs> I'm Jenny. I just officially I'm, changed our title. I like it. But I'm now still I don't know. I feel pressure now to talk about the good place. And well, we can't. We can't. That's like not in a spoiler-free time yeah. period yet. Yes, yeah. in, in a spoiler time period. Like we can't really talk about the good place without giving people enough warning, and I don't want to do that. All right, so. Anyway, also there's been We're no not, new episodes. Why are you specifically excited about it? I don't know. I was just thinking about it, and then I <laughs> decided to just say that. It's, it's very spontaneous. <laughs> uh, okay. Plus, I knew it would throw you, which I, I don't know. I mean like that. I, yeah. I was like, I'm going to make Jenny go, what? Well, I was already <laughs> laughing because I had just made us re-record the intro. I don't know why that made me laugh. It was just kind of funny to me that we had to start over. I think it's funny because every time I do the intro, I get like my um, SNL like NPR voice. <laughs> like, Hello. I try to do that. It doesn't work for me though. <laughs> um, so how are you? Uh, I'm I'm good. It's a Friday. Yeah. I have a long weekend. Yes. I don't have a ton to do. But mostly, I mean, I had dinner before we were recording this time, which is usually not the case. So like, I feel great. That's awesome. I have not had dinner, but I ate <laughs> a good amount of cheese, so it's like pre-dinner. Well, that's on theme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I also learned today that a banana is a berry, which kind of blew my mind a little bit. Mm. Did you know that? Mm. I mean, what's the definition of a berry? I don't know. That it's, seems it's very like art. where Whatever. it doesn't have seeds on the inside. So like you think about like strawberries, blackberries, like they might have seeds on the outside, but they're not on the inside. I thought only strawberries had seeds on the outside like that. No, raspberries have them like kind of, mm. maybe raspberries don't, but um, blackberries have little seeds in them, but they're not but inside. Not on the outside. It's like embedded. I need to do, I have to look into this further. <laughs> See, this is an interesting fact. It's like, I mean, it, Yeah. I guess I never really thought about what a banana was. (laughs) Well, I hadn't either. I always thought it was just like this tree fruit. And then I heard it referred to as a berry today. And I was like, wait a second. Like, literally changed my whole world. Sometimes. Next time you're like, I'm going to make berry muffins, you can just get some bananas. (laughs) I would never do that to someone. (laughs) Banana is a very specific flavor, it needs to be called out. But who wouldn't like a banana muffin? Somebody who was expecting a blueberry muffin. (laughs) You know when you are expecting one flavor and you get another flavor? Like, it doesn't matter how good the thing that you're eating is. It's just so jarring that, like, you you almost can't recover. But you could do a banana blueberry muffin and nobody would turn that down. And it would still technically be a berry muffin. (laughs) I'm just, like, so into this. This is the weirdest thing you've ever been excited about. (laughs) Um, okay. Well, Sigh. Obviously, the rest of the world does not share my joy. Um, also, bananas are obviously going to go extinct soon, so we mm. should enjoy bananas while we can. I didn't know that. That's sad. I love bananas. Yeah. There's always money in the bananas. There's a store. lot. <laughs> There's a lot of varieties of bananas as well. You don't really get those here, but when I was studying abroad in college, I one time got three different types of bananas on my plate for breakfast, and it was like the best day of my life. And they all yeah. taste a little different. There's last time I had an interesting banana was in Hawaii and <laughs> it was called like an apple banana. I've heard of those. 
Yeah, I don't think I've they're had little. Them, but I've heard they're of really it. good. Huh? Uh, Why are you laughing at me again? I'm, I'm just <laughs> laughing about how now this is a banana podcast. <laughs> <laughs> also, last week was a male pod. Like we are diving into some oddly specific and like very boring topics <laughs> hey bananas are berries that is not a boring topic i'm not i love bananas and like i'm not with you on this do you know that you <laughs> okay. can divide bananas <laughs> now I, now i'm gonna tell you every banana fact i know you can divide them into threes like they're um i don't what's i don't know what the word for like something in threes instead of fours like it's not that they're quartered but like literally if you just push on the top of the banana it divides evenly on its own into three pieces I think that's called triplet cut. That's like right? when you're making documents three times. Though. Is it the same word? <laughs> I don't know. I'm assuming I it's know. like a into triparts or something. I don't Tripart know. Tripart sounds right. That's probably yeah. what I wanted to say. Tripartite or tripartite. I don't. I feel you like know, I really want to end this conversation. I, <laughs> I actually feel like you and I have really good vocabularies, but why do we not know this word? Also, last week I couldn't think of the name for a, like a welding torch like I think it's a, a lot soldering of things iron. escape me on when we're talking but like I promise I know what word what some words isn't that a welding iron mm, you're thinking of a soldering iron I am I just said that too <laughs> <laughs> maybe a welding torch is the correct torch, word. I think is the right word yeah. I when we were talking about Oz I was just like a welding thing but like I even torch would have been a better word even if it's not perfect yeah was I listening um, to our own podcast again? Maybe. <laughs> I have not been doing that for a long time, but, you know, sometimes the mood strikes. I'm a regular listener <laughs> of myself. But you know what? I think of it as both equal parts narcissism and quality control. It is. That's, I do worry about that. Yeah. I don't remember what I said like five minutes ago, so sometimes it's new content to me. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, aye, aye. Um, we should move on. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to the meat of this podcast. Yeah. So today we're talking about the initiative and the bachelor party. Mm-hmm. Um, both kind of episodes about a bunch of dudes doing interesting things. Okay. Um, I, okay. If you think about it that way. I think um, you're overselling how <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I don't know if interesting is the word I would use for the bachelor party. I don't know. They were yeah. attempting right. some You're kind right. of brain surgery. So Sure, 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 sure. Um, well, not surgery, but anyway, um, we're going to talk about the initiative first. Yeah. And I think Jenny volunteered to do both recaps. I don't right? remember that. Okay, feel free to chime in with the initiative. <laughs> I wrote a specific little summary for myself for the other one. Um, okay. Well, I, how about I start with the initiative and you fill in the gaps? Or did you really want to go you? two for two? <laughs> no, 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 no! I, I think you it. should. I I'll think I think you can it's do it. It's a challenge. I think I, I think can it's too. A challenge that you could rise to and meet. <clears throat> okay, so the initiative. <laughs> uh, so this is kind of the episode where we really are finally going to meet Riley. You know, we've seen him like in passing, but now he's going to be kind of the center of attention for an episode. So this episode opens with him and his friends ogling girls in the cafeteria. Eh, it could do without it. But it does get a kind of charming scene where Riley tells his friends that, like, he just, you know, that he knows Buffy. And even though she's attractive, he's like, eh, I don't know, she's kind of weird. Um, which they know is 
he's just lying to himself and he's actually interested in her. So um, kind of throughout the episode, his friends are sort of egging him on. They keep asking him questions about her until he finally admits that, oh yeah, I guess I really do like her. Um, and so he tries to ask her, kind of meet up with her and ask her to go to a party. Um, he also talks to Willow to try and look for advice on like what kind of things is Buffy into and how can he meet her, blah, 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 blah. Um, so it's kind of on the surface, oh, this is a cute episode where Buffy is going to get a new love interest. However, midway through the episode, um, they're all at a frat party, which is at the house where Riley lives. And we find out that he is in fact, one of those commandos that Buffy keeps running into. So, um, him and both of his friends and professor Walsh, their, um, psychology professor are all in, involved in, we don't exactly know what, uh, but some sort of quasi-military operation where they're capturing demons. Um, so now this kind of ties back into what we saw uh, with Spike at the beginning of the last episode. You know, they tased him, and sure enough, they did capture him and put him in, um, like, a, they imprisoned him um, <laughs> underneath the frat house, I guess. <laughs> I guess the tunnels under this here, uh, under the frat house, go pretty far, so maybe he's not exactly under there. Anyway, they've captured Spike, um, he escapes and tries to attack Willow, but finds out that something that they've done to him makes it so that he feels intense neurological pain when he tries to attack her. Um, yeah. How does this wind up? <laughs> so uh, um, Spike escapes. Yeah. And um, Riley decides to get to know Buffy. Is that... I guess it kind of ends, it's not like a super solid, like, conclusion. Spike's still on the loose. The initiative's looking for him. Buffy and Riley ran into each other while trying to kind of capture Spike, but still don't yet know exactly what the other's involvement is. She didn't recognize Riley, at least. Um, Well, they definitely didn't recognize her because they thought she was, like, some giant demon. Like, working with Spike. Oh, okay. I guess I didn't catch that. Um... But yeah, I mean, that's, I I don't, as I said, I don't think there's not like a huge conclusion to this one. A lot of questions are left (laughs) open-ended, such as like, what exactly did they do to Spike? And what is the purpose of this military operation? And who knows what else? Um, But yeah, there was a lot of funny gags in this episode, a lot of little side characters and side moments. You know, Harmony makes another appearance in this episode to have a pretty hilarious uh, fist fight with Xander. I don't know. I, I like this Fist fight might be a generous <laughs> term. <laughs> That's true. Um, did I miss anything in the summary? No, I don't think so. I think the important thing is, like, Buffy's now aware more of, like, that these commando guys are continuing to be like in her way but also a presence and Mm -hmm. then they're also now aware that there's like someone but they don't know what I mean it's unclear if they know like because Riley was kind of blinded by the um fire extinguisher Mm -hmm. so but it's unclear if he can kind of tell that it's a person or if he thinks it's like some demon thing that's like helping the vampires I thought he kind of recognized her but you're right that there's no way that he did because it definitely would come up later. You got most of it. Oh, well, and we get a re- return to Xander's military career, which I really want to talk about, but... Yeah. Well, I don't know where to start. 
But I, my kind of reigning thought after I watched this episode is that this whole, this episode was very cartoony and like very sitcom-y, but in good ways. Like this was the most I've laughed at an episode in a while. I feel like it felt a lot more like they were hitting kind of the right beats and the right notes, even though now that we've described the whole plot of this episode, it's sort of like light on, like so many things happen, but there's not really like an arc to this particular episode. Um, but yeah, like the whole gags at the beginning of the episode where Riley keeps looking on Buffy and she's just being really clumsy. She's like, can't get the soda machine right. She's like not using the frozen yogurt machine. She's like spilling it all over herself. And then like later in class, she like breaks her ballpoint pen on herself. I don't know. I mean, I thought it was hilarious, but it was very well, like over the top kind of physical comedy that they're not normally doing with her. I think what I really loved about both of those scenes, and as annoying as the opening scene is with, like, Forrest's running commentary. Yeah, like, he could um, be a little less gross. Yeah, but I love the physical comedy of Buffy being, like, too strong for the world. Like, she breaks everything because she's, like, just trying to, like, turn on the yogurt machine, but she, like, breaks the handle off and then, like, breaks her pen. Like, I do enjoy kind of, like, that little running commentary because Buffy is, like, it's kind of, like, how people see Buffy from the outside like it must seem right. really strange like she's always kind of running off and like doing right, making right, weird right. non sequiturs <laughs> and like doing weird things but um I think for me what really like what Graham's explanation that maybe she's Canadian <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what does that even mean I don't know <laughs> I don't know um I I did like that joke but also I think the thing that really struck out stuck out most for me in this episode is one that, like like you said, we're getting to really get to know Riley a little bit more, but it also really makes, at least in this rewatch, I'm really noticing what they're building on, which is like this very slow introduction of Riley throughout the last few episodes. Like he isn't always there. And if he yeah. is there, it's for like a minute here or there, like maybe yeah. he shows up in class or in some other way, but like it's been very deliberate and like kind of slow. Yeah. But I also... I feel like this episode goes a long way towards introducing you to the fact that, like, he's fundamentally, like, a good guy. Like, he's, you know, he's idealistic and, like, we get the sense, like, he's joined the military to, like, do good. And, like, Mm -hmm. that's kind of this, like, compared to, like, his buddies, too. Like, he just really seems like, like, he's authoritative and in charge, but he's also, like, the good guy. Mm -hmm. He's also really sweet in the way that he, like, he's the anti-Parker in the way that he's kind of talking to Willow about wanting to get to know Buffy. Like, Mm -hmm. I love the line when he says, like, well, we don't even know if we like each other yet. Yeah, yeah, he's so, like, mature about it. (laughs) Yeah, like, he kind of has this crush on her, but, like, he doesn't know at all like how she thinks about him like willow tells him like buffy doesn't really talk about you and like yeah you know it's kind Kind of of an interesting way but i also think that it was very intentional to introduce him in this way because think about what you have to do like so scott hope like buffy dates him for three episodes but you know he's a temporary like you know, detour on mm-hmm. the way back to Angel, or at least the show knows that because like we see David Boreana still in the opening credits and we know like eventually right, Angel's right. coming back, but Angel's gone. So this is the first love interest for Buffy after Angel and in a world mm-hmm. where Angel is supposed to be permanently gone. And um, I think they had to be really careful like who they introduced and how, because people are obviously going to hate the next guy that comes right. along, right? Like he's yeah. not Angel and... um I think the choice of making him human was really smart, but also involving him in this world is a really good decision yeah. too, because you have to do that. Like, otherwise there's like, otherwise, how are like, they ever going to have anything in common? 
Right, well, it's kind of like the problem that happened with Cordelia in the last season is like once they removed her relationship to Xander, it's like, why is she even in this world, you know? Yeah. So like you need to give him that extra layer of like reason to be there. I mean, plus it obviously makes for a more interesting story. Um, like they're obviously not getting into this yet, but her whole thing where she's like specifically going out of her way to date somebody who's seemingly normal. And he's, of course, still has <laughs> all kinds of secrets. Yeah. Um, well, and he's worried, like, well, I'm Joe regular by day. And, like, like you know, he's kind of mm-hmm. got the same issues that Buffy's facing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like the way they introduce him slowly. And they Me don't too. immediately introduce him as a love interest. And they kind of build it up and, like, get you on Riley's side. Mm-hmm. Until by the time he's realizing he has a crush on Buffy. And to make him be the first one to realize it, like, yeah. I think is a great way to get the audience on his side. Because, like, yeah. then you're, like, rooting for it to work out. And also, you know, I just... I think it was all done just in a really tasteful like, smart way. <laughs> way. Yeah, it's, and also no, I, I mean like, I agree with you. It's like I, I also like this. Sometimes like I was wondering in this episode, like is that the whole because like, you know they bring Parker back just to make some crude comment about mm-hmm. Buffy, like is the whole Parker thing to show you how bad it could really be? And like, oh, here's Golden Boy Riley. Like, doesn't everybody love him? Like, I that feels I guess a they are bit, trying to make him look a little extra good. Um, yeah, but I think like that might be a whole other reason for the Parker thing too. Other than like we're gonna make an episode about life lessons in college, right. but also yeah. like <laughs> then you get to compare like bad boy Parker to Riley. I, so. I feel like the other contrast, not necessarily just between the two of them, but between like Riley and many. <laughs> I don't know when this be- when I became like a huge Riley fan, but I I really like that scene where he realizes that he likes Buffy because I think you know especially in TV there's so much like time and effort spent making couples kind of like a will they won't they thing and like trying to ratchet up drama because of their confusion over their feelings and like it was really refreshing to see somebody like I guess he was just so mature about it and you never see that especially in like a teen show where he's just like oh I like her well I'll ask her out <laughs> and, like, and yeah. she, maybe she won't like me and then we'll be done with it like nothing about what he's doing is like creepy or weird like it, it's you know, like, I mean, I guess it's a little over the top that he goes to talk to Willow, but really, like he says, he's like, well, I just really don't know her. And I'm curious, if, you know, he's just like looking, I feel like he's doing a nice kind of due diligence, not like a stalker kind. Yeah, I mean, he really goes on a journey in this episode, like around his feelings for Buffy, like starting out like, I don't really think about her. And then mm-hmm. like, well, she's kind of weird. And then also like, well, maybe I like her. But, you know, I my only problem with it is like, you know, his friends are like, dude, everybody knows you like Buffy. And it's like, we haven't really seen any evidence of that. So I'm guessing yeah, it's all supposed to have happened off screen. They but knew. Yeah. And I think it also is like they haven't known for weeks. I think they've known for like since the a other day. day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, like I, I think that was a little like hyperbolic. But Yeah. I think the well, other thing I that, also like the thing that makes him kind of notice it, like that he might like her is when she stands up for Willow, like yeah. talking to Professor Walsh, like Buffy does this nice thing for her friend, you know, whether it's smart to say that to your professor, I don't know. But like, sure. I think Riley's kind of looks like that's the thing where he's kind of like, oh, like. Interestingly, that's also what makes Professor Walsh like Buffy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which I like. I, li- I mean, I like Professor Walsh on the whole. You know, the other thing that, like, I guess while they're going out of their way to make sure that we know that Riley's a good guy, they, you know, his interactions with Willow are also seem to be genuine. Like, he is, he's upfront about what he's trying to get out of her in terms of Buffy. He's not, like, pretending to hang out with her to ho- in hopes of, like, grasping something. You know what I mean? Like, he's very clear that, like, I'm interested in her. Is there anything you want to tell me? I think if she had said, no, get lost, he would have 
left, you know? And then later mm-hmm. when they're hanging out at the party, again, like, he's paying attention to her feelings. He knows that she's sad about Oz because he saw that interaction with Buffy and Professor Walsh before. Or, you know, she's sad about something. He doesn't, I don't think he knows what it is. Um, but just, like, it's nice that he's, like, paying attention to her feelings. And when she says that he's she's going to leave, I don't know, they had just had more than one interaction where it was, like, clear that even though his goal there was to hang out with Buffy, he was going to hang out with Willow until, like, he knew it was okay. And not, like, in a, I'm doing... Like, he's not doing it for the sake of Buffy because she doesn't even really know that he's there. <laughs> so, yeah. anyway, I just, I mean, maybe it's a little over the top. Maybe Riley is, like, a little bit too perfect, but obviously he's going to continue to be on the show. And I think it, I don't know, it worked for, It worked for me because I think he's just so um, earnest. You know, it doesn't, none of it feels like it's a lie. So, like, even if he is too perfect and he might be a little bit boring, it's like he's also, he mean, he means it. Yeah, and, you know, back to what you were saying, like, not remembering liking Riley this much, like, I I kind of agree where I think coming into this rewatch, I was thinking, oh, God, like, and then we have the episodes with Riley. Yeah, but, exactly. <laughs> but I remember the first time I ever watched these episodes, yes. like, actually really liking Riley. Yes, and I, I think have. some of that has to do with the pace. Like, you give yourself time to kind yeah. of acclimate and, like, I don't know, like, maybe there's something to be said for not binging a show. Like, it's kind of the way it's meant to be seen and, like, it gives you... <laughs> time to like soak everything in and yeah you know no, like, it's, like like you want to rush ahead to the next episode but like I don't know like this measured pace like I've really noticed things like how much I hate Xander and <laughs> how much yeah. I like Riley um it's funny because I said the exact same thing I was like oh I don't remember liking Riley this much and then I was like actually the first time we watched it I did really I liked him so yeah I think that that's probably part of it and also as we've kind of mentioned before you know like where he ultimately ends up I don't know if we'll, when we get to that stuff, I don't know if we'll agree with those as character choices or not, but it certainly paints my memory of him. And there is so much stuff that happens that's not, you know, that's not that. So I think that that's a lot of it too, is it's like, you know where everything's going to go and all the other things that are going to happen that you maybe hate. So I guess it's like, it's more so that, yeah, anyway, we'll talk about that when it happens, but I think that's a lot of it too. It just colors your memory of him. It does, and I think I'm not optimistic about how I'm going to feel about that, but I don't think that that's a problem with necessarily the character. I think it's this larger problem of shows in general right. of like when they want to get rid of a love interest they right. just turn How them they, into a horrible person mm-hmm. and yeah. it's just really annoying <laughs> exactly but we will get there like you yeah. said so and speaking yeah. of hating xander i mean he's really been working for me in season four i thought he was hilarious in this episode oh i thought he was great his little slap fight with harmony his was slap fight like, with harmony all of his the whole the giles stuff was just like really cute yeah, like, clearly it's bugging Giles that he's not involved in everything, but it's not bugging Xander. <laughs> like, Xander's happy to, like, make his own way with it. Um, but, like, he had some of the best jokes. He talked about uh, the commando office uh, outfits being the latest in fall fascism. He joked yeah. about not being able to get into the Swiss Army, and all they wanted was for him to open some sassy Cabernets. Like, I don't know. It just made me laugh. I, I watched this episode twice, as I mentioned to you earlier. Just circumstantially, not like because I loved it so much, but I kept laughing at those lines. So I agree. I thought Xander was great. I thought him and Giles feeling a little bit unneeded was is kind of a nice note to play. Mm-hmm. Like they're both a little on the outside of things at the moment. Um, but I so this well that they keep going back to of like Xander turning into a soldier on Halloween. I get the like convenience of this, but it is a retcon that like 
just it drives me nuts because when did Xander requisition all this stuff? Like, there's never any mention that he was like, oh, I just decided to have a cache of weapons and, like, gear just in case we ever needed it. And, like, I was wondering if, like, I'm assuming he took it when he got the rocket launcher. I think so. That's the only thing I could think of, but like he's making it sound like he was some high level guy, and like I, who's gonna let some non real person requisition a bunch of like weapons and right. gear? Well, I have to say that, and for as much as I just said I watched this episode twice, I should have paid closer attention, but I was kind of talking more than I normally do when I watch it because I'd already seen it. Um, I couldn't tell how serious they were being when he said those things because he says. Oh, he says to Giles, like, you know, I remember how to do all these things. But then he immediately is like, well, I don't remember how to do how to put together my rifle quickly enough and do blah, blah, blah. And also what he and the ultimately the weapon that he ends up having is a flare gun. So I, I sort of feel like a little bit maybe they were poking fun or establishing that, like, that's running out. Like, he doesn't really remember it anymore and he doesn't really have any weapons left. So, like, what he has is a vague memory you know, no, that's when he makes the Swiss army joke where he's like, I couldn't even get into the Swiss army with the things that I remember. And also what he has is a flare gun. So I kind of think that they're putting a final point on that. As no, I, element. my point is not that. No, it's not like, I think you're right. And I think he has other weapons. He just doesn't remember how to use them, which is why he goes with the flare gun. No, but I'm saying I, don't even, is, I don't even know that he has other weapons. That might be all they have left. No, they had like a gun that they were looking at, but okay. he couldn't do anything with it because yeah. Giles had to take it from him and like fix it. But um, the problem is not that like he would still have skills. I totally buy that he doesn't still have them. I'm just wondering when the hell he got all that stuff to begin with. Like, I think it when was just when they like, went in there. It must have been, but like, mm-hmm. I, then he's like saying he requisitioned it, but like they definitely just went in and stole that stuff. I think he stuff, was just so. saying, I think that was just his phrasing. <laughs> I don't think he I meant that he I, really went in there a second time and requisitioned things. I think he was see, being facetious about that time they went in there and stole a bunch of stuff. <laughs> maybe. It's unclear to me. And just the way they've kept coming back to this, like I truly believe they were trying to make us think that like Xander just marched onto the base and was like, I'll take these weapons, please. Thank you. Mm, I thought that's it's funny because like, again, what I'm trying to say is that I have the opposite reaction in that in this episode, they're trying to finally put the a pin and a final nail in that and saying this plot line is done. (laughs) He cannot do anything anymore. Well, I think they are doing that, but I th- I think that they're doing that by referencing a bunch mm-hmm. of other like soldier stuff that like never happened and we never saw, but now we we're finding out Alexander was like full on commando guy, you know. So No, I think he was just joking. <laughs> well, either that's a problem with the writing or the acting cuz it doesn't come across that way. <laughs> I got it that way. I'm telling you, I thought it was a joke. <laughs> Sassy Cabernets. Um <laughs> I could use a sassy Cabernet right now. I know. Yeah. I I mean, when could we? Um, so um, speaking of commandos, though, um, we talked a little bit about it, but we do get a bigger look at the initiative. Um, yeah. That it's not just a few commandos, like, roaming around campus. It's a full-on subterranean Base, compound yeah. where they're doing dissections of demons and running ops and, like, keeping well, vampires yeah. in cages and this is a great callback to the first episode of this season because that um vampire in the cell next to spike is from the um the crew that stole all her stuff all of buffy's oh, things oh i didn't recognize yeah. him that makes sense though because they did specifically take not kill a guy at the end of that episode 
Yeah. So um, I think that's a nice callback, but like we're really seeing, but I love that both of them, even though they're in this facility with drugs and all this stuff, like they just assume that Buffy's responsible because like who else would know about vampires except the Slayer, right? <laughs> I mean, let's talk about Spike in this episode. Yeah. His whole line about like, I knew something would happen when she got funding. is just like, what, yeah. are you, like, what are you talking about? But also it was hilarious. Like, can you imagine a scenario in which, like, Buffy gets government funding and sets up a subterranean, like, demon facility? Like, what? Of course, that's not what would happen. I don't know. Yeah. Just, like, again, these jokes just really were spot on for me. But I think also some of that is just, like, they're both, like, commiserating that they got yeah. captured running from the Slayer. And, like, I think right. Spike at this point is just so hyper-focused on Buffy that, like, he will blame her for everything. Of course. Of course. That's yeah. why. I mean, but that's why it's so funny. Um an interesting thing that I didn't really pick up on, I briefly started watching this episode with commentary on um, before I got too tired and went to bed. Uh, but the writer for this episode is the one giving the commentary, and he was kind of talking about, like, how Spike basically gets his own, like, mini James Bond episode here. You know, where he's, and he sort of gets to be, I don't, he was saying heroic, and I don't know if that's exactly the right word, but, like, Spike really does kind of, for the first time, I think, get to be, like, his own protagonist briefly in this, like, escape thriller, right? Like, he, you're kind of rooting for him to get out, at least I think. Like, because even though he's, like, hurting these guys, we don't know who they are. They clearly are doing some sort of testing, and whether or not that's, like, morally okay, you know, we don't have enough information to say. So it's, like, I don't know. There was just There is something nice, I think, about him having a clear motivation, which is just to escape because he doesn't know what's going to happen to him. And it kind of lets him be the the center of his own just little story. But I, th- I guess where he's not being specifically evil. No, but he's still very spike about the whole situation because oh, like he lets that guy help him get out and then, and then immediately ditches the him because, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, they don't even know I each other. That, but I thought that was great. Yeah. But I guess that's what I mean. Like, he is kind of, he gets to sort of be the the hero. He is, sort of. Hero is the wrong word. I just got it stuck in my head because the guy was saying it. But, like, he does get to be the James Bond guy who's, like, can kill people. You know, I don't know. I guess I'm just saying, I think, kind of like as we were mentioning with Riley, I don't think they're being nearly as intentional about it with Spike. But, you know, he is going to also have his own turning point. And this is where it's starting. And I think part of getting the audience on his side is giving him something to do with a goal that you can root for rather than having him face off with our normal, actual heroes. Yeah, and I think uh, it's interesting to note, so this is an episode that both sort of refocuses on Spike and Riley. Mm -hmm. um, But at this point, only James Marsters is now a regular. Right. So welcome to the show, James Marsters. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh my uh, God. Or Hostel also, 17, as we will know 17. him from now on. <laughs> Another, <laughs> I mean, like, not to just reiterate literally every funny line in this episode, but so he, after he finally does escape, he goes and finds Harmony because he's a dirtbag. Um, <laughs> he's, like, not even paying attention to the things that he says to her, his, like, list of increasingly, like, crappy, like, pet names for her was just hilarious. Although, like started, I'm sorry, but foam latte is a perfect description of harmony. It, well, it is. It, yeah, he goes from, like, foam latte to creme brulee to mentholated pack of cigarettes. I just like, who? I mean, it's just an original line. It's very funny. I want people to start calling me that now. My um, little mentholated cigarettes. Yeah. 
Um, Just tell Alex to start taking that into consideration exactly, and call you Ma name. Petite Mentholated Cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I think that this, you know, the Spike storyline is interesting. I kept waiting to like really cringe in the Willow attack. And I did a little bit because I think it's just like, I think what we've kind of talked about in general, like watching TV, I don't love seeing assault. And <laughs> even if it's sort of like for, you know, layered and complicated um, so like the first scene when he gets into the dorm room and attacks her was like a little bit like, eh, do I want to see this? But the rest of it was still pretty funny to me. Am I wrong? Well, it's interesting because... His little like metaphor, you know, his whole I like, you can't get the it up The scene is joke. interesting because like obviously the joke of, not joke, but the the metaphor of like vampires and preying on women is like the metaphor. We've talked about this before. It's like, it's a very, you know traditional Mm -hmm. like idea that like the real metaphor here is like rape right and Mm -hmm. men preying on women but and this scene definitely twists that into like performance anxiety tropes you know but also at the same time though like when spike first comes into the room i don't remember being that graphically violent yeah i guess that's what that's what i'm saying yeah i didn't remember that you don't know that you're watching a vampire show like that is an uncomfortable scene to watch yeah and and but to the show's credit, because I think sometimes it's hard to f- remember that these vampires, especially the ones we see again and again, mm-hmm. like especially someone like Spike, who you almost start to root for in a way, like you have to be reminded that he's evil. You know, mm-hmm. like that's the point is he's an evil vampire. And mm-hmm. I think in this episode, they really want to drive that point home. And this is a way that definitely does it. But um, but they immediately it, undercut it by turning it again into like. I don't know if cartoony now is the right... It kind of was cartoony after. the So the whole performance anxiety piece of it, like, I I do think it was very funny, but there is, like, literally a moment, right, where Willow is like, well, we'll try again in 30 minutes, and it's a funny joke until she's like, oh, or I'll leave now that I realize you can't hurt me. But, like, that to yeah. me was a very, like, cartoon, like, oh, I, you know, like, you're running and there's no more cliff left, so now you fall down. Like, that was a weird... It wasn't weird. I think that was part of what made that scene so funny in general is that like they're clear they're just having such a ridiculous conversation where Willow is fi- is trying to find ways to encourage him to attack her, which is uh, you know, like I think that's a, a lot of why that scene did work for me is cuz like it's just so over the top. And then they're having these really like not coded conversations, but you know, like Willow's feeling insecure because of all of the Oz stuff and so to have like an evil vampire reassure you that he wants to in fact eat you is like I mean, it's just I didn't ludicrous. like that. Like, oh, really? <laughs> No, not that, mm. not that part. Like, I get that Will would be feeling, like, insecure, but to have Spike then be, like... Like, I get the comedy of it. I understand, like, the the urge to write that scene, and that is funny, but I just didn't like that whole part of it. I mean, I mean, there's a lot about that scene that, like I was just saying, I think it really works to reestablish Spike as really evil, but, like, I didn't like... See, but I guess I, I mean, don't think that it establishes him as evil, because he's so not threatening in that. Ultimately, no, he, he I, mean, I mean, scene, I'm talking about, that, like, okay, I'm let's split this scene into two. So I'm yeah, talking yeah, about the, the part where half. he marches into the room and attacks Willow. Oh, like, I'm yes, that does. <laughs> but, but then because we're now learning that he can't like do anything like without intense neurological pain, which is a phrase that they keep throwing mm-hmm. around. But, um, yeah, then it turns cartoony. I would agree. But I also didn't really like the whole, like, like, why would Willow care whether Spike wants to bite her? 
But I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, that whole scene was so removed from reality that, like, I don't even think you can ask those questions. I mean, you can, but, like, I guess, yeah, that's interesting. Ultimately, I still think it worked because at that point it was, like, so not a real-life situation. It was so over the top that, like, of course they would never have this conversation. So it was still funny to me. But I get what you're saying. I do think it was really jarring with that opening scene. I think they should have picked a tone and, and stayed with it. Like, I, even trying to undercut themselves, it's like, now that first part didn't really work because he's not really scary to me anymore. And now the second part doesn't totally work because just a second ago, we were reminded of how scary he is. So it's like, they're out of balance with each other. Maybe my true point of contention with that whole scene is it still didn't answer the question that I've been waiting to learn the oh answer my God, to this yes, whole it did. time. How? She invited him in. She did. How did he get into the building? No, that's been my point the whole time. You can go into a public space. The built nobody owns nobody lives in the dorm hallway. You can definitely get yeah. into the building. I think it made sense. I, I think this brought perfect clarity, which is they can get into the public parts of the building, but they can't go into the actual dorm rooms where people live. So how have they not been using this this whole time as like a free for all buffet? Because if all the other students are as stupid as Willow and they just say, Come in, like they mm. should be I think Eating because students people, right and left. it would leave too obvious of a trail for anyone else. Spike just Maybe. didn't care about that. Although Willow should really know better in Sunnydale than to just blindly say She really in. should. Although what I did notice is that that echoed the scene when Riley came to visit her. So I think there is some like, yeah, I guess they just really weren't thinking about it. But she let Riley in the door exactly the same way, which is that she said come in before she she didn't even get up. Yeah, because that's what you do in a dorm. Like, mm-hmm. who's, it's a safe building. Who's going to be at your door? Except apparently this dorm is not a safe building. Anybody can just walk right in. That's how a lot of dorms are, Ellie. Every dorm is not an actual, like, prison facility. <laughs> we just had a really weird experience. I visited other schools in Massachusetts even where it was, like, literally you just walk into the hallways. So, like, this is hard for a BU student to imagine a vampire ever getting into their dorm, but it really could happen. <laughs> well, I guess we were safe from vampires. Um, yeah. Plus, I was all yeah. the way on the 15th floor. Yeah. Also, I just want to point out that they clock spike at room temperature at 62 degrees. That is a freezing cold room. Wait, who said that? One of Riley's soldier friends. Like, he was reading oh, the temperatures oh, on oh. his little reader, and he said 62, and it was labeled, it labeled spike as 62 degrees, and he said room temperature. Is that not room temperature? <laughs> 62 is really cold. Is it? I keep mine at, like, 68, and I'm freezing. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't have a thermostat, so I don't ever know what the temperature is. Uh, that's funny. I, 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 as someone who sits in a freezing cold office all day, I took issue mm-hmm. with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I take issue with in this episode every single time? So they go to this party and Willow has this like, you know, she's, she is trying to help Riley, you know, like come up with topics to talk to Buffy about or whatever. And she tells her that like, oh, because she's wearing such and such a thing tonight, this is what she's, she's going to be dancing and doing blah, blah, blah. But she describes her shirt as a halter top and it is not a halter top and it drives me crazy. Why say that? Why write that? Why not just say top or why not better yet? Just put her in a halter top. It didn't tie around her neck. That makes it not a halter. Am I wrong about this? You're not, but I think I could think of two explanations. One that this was written by a man and costumed by a woman. (sighs) And then the second, perhaps Willow doesn't know what a halter top is. It just makes me crazy every single time. (laughs) 
<laughs> Although I do, can I say about this party, I do like the little glimpse that we get of Bart, Buff, Buffy at the party where she mm-hmm. she's just dancing it's with a guy, but she's like, fun. it's like Buffy yeah. in a new, like, I'm just here to have fun and like be social kind of thing. Like she's not... She's, and I think this is a nice contrast to, like, this whole Riley situation is, like, Buffy's not looking for mm-hmm. a romantic situation. It's, like, obviously coming from this other angle. Um, but on another note, why are they throwing this party? Like, I guess I'm never clear on are Riley and his fellow soldiers blending into this, like, frat or... I think the whole is frat is part of the, the whole initiative. F- is it so? Are they just throwing a party to like really try to blend in? Or I think they're just throwing a what? party because they want to have a party. <laughs> yeah, maybe. It just I, they seems are kind of risky they are if, like, because they are access still... a super secret government facility from your basement. Well, I mean, they think that it's super secure, and it it is pretty secure. I mean, we see Riley use like voice recognition and handprints or something or other to get down there. So I don't think someone could really just get in that by accident. People can You're right. break in, just, and they're certainly going to do that. But, like, I don't think that they're at having any... I mean, it's not any more dangerous than having this facility on a college campus to begin with. Like, oh, there's got entrances presumably all over the campus. That is an odd choice, but I'm assuming the idea is it's, like... A research, research. facility, yeah. yeah. But I don't... I, I guess I don't think it's weird. I have always assumed that the whole frat was in on it, although only this rewatch did it occur to me. Like, I'm... It's really unclear to me how old Riley is supposed to be. Because yes. how how could he have such a senior position in, in this, you know, faux or real military organization without having, like, he can't, if at best he's a senior? Or is he a grad student? I don't know. I, I assume but he's he a grad student. Why is he in a frat? <laughs> well, maybe it's not a frat. Maybe it's just like a no, house. He, they, like, I think they, I feel like they said it, but maybe you're right. Well, they called it a frat party, but he said it, oh, yeah. that's my house. Like, he didn't say that's my frat, so, like... Okay, I, so I guess they're just the yeah. ROTC house or something. I mean, also, why make him a real TA? Like, he's literally spending his time grading papers, and he's, like, supposed to be going on super secret missions. Like, yeah. that seems just crazy. Well, somebody's going to get a good scholarship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, so maybe it's, I think... This is my news story. I think that they live in like the ROTC or equivalent house on campus because it wouldn't really be, if not, that's how they should do it. Because it's not that weird to have kids that are involved in the military still on campus. It is weirder to have them all in the military and pretending like they're not. (laughs) But it doesn't even seem like they're pretending to be ROTC. No, but they should. should. Yeah. I'm saying that's a better cover. Who would look Yeah. I would agree Um, with that. It, I do think that Riley wasn't drinking at that party, which mostly checks out with just Riley's general characteristics, but also makes sense in that they could kind of get called to action at any time as we see happen. So it kind of makes sense, too, that they're probably not really drinking. Yeah. Provide the drinks for other people, but mm-hmm. they're not partaking. Um, on that note of this new group of people we've now met, Forrest is my new least favorite. Mm. Um, yeah. and do I need to learn what Teutonic means? I, I, <laughs> I thought tried it to look it up like, and I was like, sure. <laughs> Ger- like Germanic, but that doesn't really seem to what they're How describing. They're using it. That was yeah. as far as I got in my hunt and I was like, no, that didn't clear it up. And I was too lazy to keep going. Like where Buffy's um, like, that is so Teutonic. And I'm like, is it? <laughs> I mean, they must just have some sort of reputation. Um, I, sorry, just before we get off the Riley topic completely, I just also want to say that maybe one of the reasons why I like Riley so much is because of his repeated use of, of cheese as a, as a line. <laughs> that would definitely work on me. 
I thought about that when I was watching this. I was like, he Riley would have handed her a little cheese. excellent luck trying uh-huh. to hit on you with cheese. A little cheese cube on a toothpick. Ugh, right and right melts my heart. But yeah, that's funny. I really thought that. Yeah, this is just funny that we're the things in which we're having opposite reactions to. Like I was like, ah, the vampires into the dorm room finally explained, and you're like, it doesn't answer anything. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so one final note about Riley, and then I guess we can move on. Okay, well, um, I have one other thing, too. Okay, well, this is, like, more of a fashion note, I guess, but... <laughs> He's also not wearing a halter top. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But his haircut is just so bad. Okay? No, I love so, it. <laughs> no, he's got that, too. like, very 90s bowl uh, cut kind of thing. My favorite haircut of all time. But, I do want to say that when they came back from the mission and it was, like, slicked back, it looked Ugh. really good. No, it didn't. <laughs> it has to be yes. shaggy in front of his eyes or else it's not working. <laughs> okay, we don't see eye to eye on anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that is absolutely my favorite haircut of all times. Every heartthrob in the 90s had a haircut and it was cute on every single one. But they were also like 12. This, he's, this is a grown man no, with a bowl no. cut. It's not a bowl cut. <laughs> I'm just so I have another fun fact, and I don't know if I mentioned it, but I now I'm a little nervous about fun facts after our <laughs> banana conversation. So I'll just keep it to myself no. until well, now you have until to later. Me. Well, I, I've probably mentioned it before too, but this is just this one thing that I know about Mark Lucas. Okay, is that he choreographed all the basketball sequences in Pleasantville? Oh yes, I did know that. I knew that too. It is yeah. funny. It is kind of cool, right? It is cool. Because I always yeah. think about it, like, whenever he'll pop up every now and then in, like, a small part in some movie or mm-hmm. something, and I'm always like, oh, yeah, whatever happened to him? And then I'm like, but he'll always be the basketball guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, my final thought about this is another thing that I'm uh, stealing from Alex and passing off as my own. Um, not well, even really that. have led with that. I know. I guess really all I wanted to say is that his immediate reaction when we saw the initiative was like, oh, that looks like Cabot in the Woods. And I just was... I sort of argued with him about it, but mostly I guess I just think it's worth kind of noting the, like, as we've done a few times for other things, there is something very Whedon-y, like that whole, the whole plot is very much in his aesthetic, and, like, even though I think the stories that those two, Nolan Buffy and that Cabin in the Woods movie are telling are very, very different, it does, they do have a similar something, undercurrent, maybe, I or mean, it's just interesting to see like as like a as like seed woods. of a theme or a seed of yeah. an aesthetic. Maybe. I mean, only in that they're using like this industrial complex mm-hmm. in the midst of like horror because like these guys, you'd think the initiative are trying to do good. Cabin in the Woods is like a corporation building like murders. So See, we had this argument too though. I don't think they ever tell you who they are. I don't know that they're a corporation or the government. I don't know. But they're definitely not trying to solve a problem, right? Mm, yeah, I think they are. They're trying to stop demons from ultimately consuming the whole earth by feeding them little deaths. Okay, it has been a little bit of time <laughs> since I watched Cabin in the Woods. I really only remember the ending. I guess I, well, that's sort of the part that this is evokes. It just aesthetically, mostly. At least that's my argument. Where you, they, you know they're working in like a traditional government facility and then you go underground and find out there's layers and layers and layers of containers, containments for evil creatures. Okay. I mean, I'll give you like the containment cells. They definitely. Now I'm arguing that I was arguing with Alex about this also. Now I'm arguing for him. So whatever. 
I guess I'm just saying it's You're like one of those. You're just determined to disagree with me today is what it is. This <laughs> is the haircut comment. Um, no. Anyway, I guess I just think it's a fun, like, kind of background seeds of future things. Yeah. You could also argue there's a little bit of Dollhouse in there, too. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Dollhouse completely. Oh, I can watch <laughs> that again. I, I'm worried what I'll, how I'll feel about that if I watch it again. I don't know that this is the right cultural exactly. time to yeah, be rewatching uh, Dollhouse. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, okay, so should we talk about Angel? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do this All recap right. also. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, <laughs> much like we got the Riley introduction episode, this one, this Angel episode is like the Doyle backstory episode, which we can talk about <laughs> how we feel about that. Um, but basically, I think we're going to have know, more disagreements. Yeah, Doyle Doyle is the main character of this episode, and we're finally finding out just some of his history. Like, basically, he's been a complete mystery, other than he's there to make gross comments at Cordelia. Um, in this episode, he's finally kind of maybe making some ground with Cordelia. He saves her. He rescues her from like a from a vampire, and he looks really good doing it. Um, but of course, as soon as she maybe shows the slightest tiny bit of um, interest in him. Like in any television show, that means we're going to have some sort of obstacle. And sure enough, a woman shows up at the Angel Investigations offices and it, she is Doyle's wife. Um, she's there to try and finalize their divorce. They've obviously not been together for a while um, and she needs to finalize the paperwork so that she can marry someone new. Um, so Doyle finally opens up to Angel and kind of explains about how we know he's a half demon, um, and that up until that he was 21, he didn't know that about himself and his mother kept it from him because she was just kind of hoping that nothing would ever materialize. But of course he married this woman, Harry, Harry or Harriet. I think the subtitles were saying the wrong name, Harriet. Eh, sure. I think it's, ha- anyway, I think he was he- calling her Harry. Okay. I wasn't sure if the subtitles were wrong. But maybe it's wrong short I- for Harriet. Okay. Anyway, they got married when they were pretty young and he hadn't yet found out that he was a demon. And then once that stuff did start like surfacing, they started having fights. So in his, in his eyes, she left him because he was a demon. So he's suspicious of the new boy of the new fiance. And he kind of sets angel on him who finds out that he's also a demon. And this time Harry is fine with it. Um, So, you know, Doyle does some introspection, I guess, and um, kind of makes nice at at the request of this new fiance. Um, and he gets invited to the bachelor party, which is awful, terrible idea. And it turns out that this new demon fiance and his family aren't, who are also all demons, aren't quite as harmless as they've been leading Harry to believe, and that they in fact plan to eat Doyle's brains <laughs> as part of a ceremony that in order to set them off on a happy marriage. Um, so Harry stops, stops it at the last minute and decides to leave that fiance. And, uh, that's kind of, I think where we leave it now. Doyle is sad because he realizes that Harry left him because of who he is as a person, not because of his half demonness. And also he almost got his brains eaten. And then he gets a vision. Oh my God. Yeah. And then he gets a vision of Buffy. Cliffhanger. Yeah. It's very important to mention only because it's going to come up. Lead the way for a two-parter next week that I cannot wait for. Um, 
Okay, so I think you're right in that this goes back to what we were talking about, you know, last time about creating a backstory episode about a character. But this time we're focused on one of our main ensemble characters, mm-hmm. like kind of like the Cordelia episode instead of mm-hmm. Kate's so, backstory yeah. that we marginally care about. Right. You know, it's it's more than due time for them to kind of Cover delve this. more into who Doyle is. Yeah. Yeah, they really should have um, done this a long time ago, actually. So I'm curious. I would like to know, because I wonder if we're going to disagree about this. How did this episode <laughs> work for you? Like, did it improve your thoughts about Doyle at all? Or, like, did you think I mean, that this was, like, like, did you care to find out about Doyle's backstory? Yeah, and, I mean, I didn't like, hate I didn't hate this episode. But it definitely feels, like, too little too late. Like, it's really hard to turn my opinion around on him. Because he's just been acting so poorly (laughs) you know like and none of these things really explain it's not as though like oh now we understand it's like with angel like oh we know he's broody because of this backstory that we've seen like none of this backstory explains why he's just tactless and rude to cordelia all the time you know what i mean so it's like it's not even like an it doesn't even attempt to excuse the things that i didn't like about him that said i think if i had started the show here i would have had no problem with doyle like i think this is a fine episode i think the story is interesting enough. I got some good moments out of it. Um, so I guess that's, I, I feel fine about it. It's not my favorite, but it was okay. Yeah, I think we're in agreement. I think for the most part, this episode really worked for me. Mm-hmm. I think in kind of weighing in a little bit on who like Doyle's past of coming to terms with like his demon side, Mm -hmm. although it still leaves a lot of open ended questions of like, since he left Harriet or Harry, why has he been, you know, on the run from demons who are after him for Mm -hmm. money? And it doesn't really answer all of those questions. And I also agree, like Doyle is really nice in this episode and he's really sweet. And I don't understand now after watching that, the decision to not just make him that way all along. Like, why does he have to be this pig, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Although we get a little bit of an answer. So, like, I think this episode is telling us Doyle's supposed to be about 23, if I did the math right. Although, two things about that, like, who is giving an 18-year-old teaching credentials and, like, for third grade? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, and also, like, he's talking about himself as a 23-year-old about, like, when he was young. Like, okay, (laughs) four years ago. Um, I didn't, well, that was my assumption. So he's saying they were like 19 when they got married. I thought he said they were 20 when they got married. He said they weren't even 20. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm guessing they're 19 and then I thought he was saying that was four years ago or is it that they were married for four years? So it's possible he's a little older than 23. But either way, no, or probably no older than 25. Yeah. But still like if they got married and Doyle's already a third grade teacher, I'm not buying it. Yeah. That is a little weird. Yeah. Don't you at least even need a college degree? I don't... Uh, not necessarily at a private school, right? That's Question true. mark. Yeah. I mean, 18 um, does but, still seem young, but maybe they were... Yeah, I think they just weren't thinking about it. Much like with the halter tops, teachers were not writing this. Yeah. Um, but I think for the most part, like, I was into this episode. Like, it's kind of nice to at least get a little bit more explanation. Um, yeah, I mean, and I think... Uh, kind of again, the things that I, the things that I continue to like about Angel are things that all had moments in this. Like it's, I always like watching 
Cordelia's growth as a human. And this had a lot of that, you know, it had her going out with some superficial rich guy who come push, come to shove, couldn't even be bothered to stick around to help her when she's getting attacked by a vampire. Um, not to say that she should have needed that to get some of these lessons, but I don't know. She just has a lot of like interesting kind of growth along this about like, Oh, what am I really looking for? And what are the things that are actually important to her? Um, and then similarly, what I liked about this episode specifically is that, uh, there was a great action hero angel shot, uh, and, you know, we actually haven't had that for a couple of episodes, or maybe I slept through it in the last one. I just love watching Angel be his heroic self. And when he burst into the, after they, they so they go to the bachelor party, Angel comes with him. Of course, the demons are trying to eat Doyle's brain, so they have to, like, get rid of Angel or else he's not going to let them do that. Um, and so they, like, lock him up somewhere, but he eventually escapes, and he just, like, bursts through the restaurant doors and he just like looks really badass i don't know well because they don't know that he's a vampire yeah um, yeah but i'm just saying that yeah. specific sequence of him bursting through the doors like that does it for me every time i always want to see angel be a hero oh yeah i think we've now seen all of the major heroic moments from the opening credits, i think you're right yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> i even noticed last time that that one guy in the opening credits is dennis i never noticed that so who's dennis uh the ghost oh (laughs) yeah I don't there was one moment I forget it was kind of at the end maybe where um Doyle makes a reference to people thinking he's a nice guy or something and oh yeah that was I think that's the only note that really made me angry in this episode but otherwise like you know Angel gets his heroic moment Doyle gets a little bit more backstory and Cordelia gets some character growth which I think Mm -hmm. is the best like you know she does a really quick 180 from like you to jealous over Doyle but um you know I do like that scene in the restaurant where she's slowly realizing she's in a restaurant that she wants to be at with a guy she thinks she wants to be with yeah and she's just bored out of her mind you're right I really liked Um, that scene and specifically the way they cut it with like Angel and Doyle having their own little action adventure on the sign and her and him being or her saying something to the effect of like, well, what else would I be doing? And then like sort of daydreaming about what else she would be doing. But then we also just get as the audience get to actually see it. <laughs> and it was just like a particularly yeah. kick ass fight, you know, with no real details. But like, yeah, I really liked that scene. I thought it was well executed. Yeah. And she's maybe starting to realize that, you know, she doesn't want what she thinks she does. Mm-hmm. Um which is always good. I mean, like, I think especially in these first couple seasons, Cordelia's growth is one of the more enjoyable things to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is about as much growth as I remember, well, maybe one more episode about it that we're going to see from Doyle. Um, yeah. Because we've only got a few more episodes with uh, this character. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to talk a little bit about this whole, like, this family of demons because I think one reason – Aside from, like, a little bit of redemption for Doyle, but one reason I think I really like this episode is, like, it's very subtle comedy. Like, this family of demons are, like, practicing essentially an evil culture that preys on humans or doesn't really value life enough to, like, not eat someone's brain, you know? But, like, Mm -hmm. they don't seem to see anything wrong with it, just that it's, like, a really important part of their culture, you know? Like, I love how straight they play it, like... The guy, like the fiance, 
is like almost more offended that Doyle would like go back on his blessing than he would be yeah. that he's even realizing that perhaps he might be going back on his blessing because he didn't understand when he gave it that part of that was then you know yeah a, like giving his consent to have his brain eaten yeah so I I just like love the comedy of it of like this it's kind of this very real I think it's something we see a lot on Angel more than we did in Buffy or that we might see in later seasons in Buffy but like it's more about like demons in the real world you know, mm-hmm. like how they assimilate and like what they're doing. And I, I do think that's a nice touch of this episode. Although <laughs> they established that Harriet is like an ethno demonologist or something like who the hell is paying her to do that work? Yeah, it is not. Perhaps it's a hobby. <laughs> yeah, but then you can't really yeah. give yourself like an academic title. if It's just a hobby. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I felt a little bit uncomfortable with how much they kept talking about it being like a culture because I, I don't know, something about that just rang a little bit like colonialist to me, but, um, but I agree that for the most part that like the family is charming and it is, it is nice to see demons in the real world. Um, also it's nice to see our old pal back (laughs) from Anne, the episode, the Buffy episode. Yes. Yeah, not playing, Although the same playing a different but it's character. The same actor. Yeah. yeah. I really wish they had found a they could have made him the same character. I mean, like they obviously couldn't just because of the way that the Buffy episode ends. Um but Didn't he die? Yeah. Well, and he's definitely like a totally different type of demon that couldn't have been easily redeemed, you know. Um but <laughs> I do like that there's two characters from that same episode that end up in Angel. Chanterelle hasn't made her way back yet, but she's going to. Right. Although she'll be playing herself. I know. I guess that's what I'm saying. It's just kind of funny that there's ended up being from the same episode that they're pulling multiple actors. Apparently that guy is also in Firefly for one episode. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I do. I, (laughs) I liked him and he really, he is striking almost exactly the same notes that he did in the Buffy episode. Um, because he is, he is unnerving when he's talking to Doyle at the bachelor party, I thought. Or it's like, why would you invite the ex-husband to that? Like, it's completely inappropriate. And just kind of the way that he keeps talking to him about how important it is that he gets his blessing is like, if that were me and this were just the regular world, like, I would be super creeped out. Like, he's well, so that's too the other nice, thing. you know? That was the one thing that kind of, like, I didn't really follow was, like, when he tells his family that he invited Doyle to the bachelor party, like, they're all surprised that he did that. And they're like, isn't that weird? But then it's like, they're already planning to eat his brain. So I didn't really get that part. But, But I do, like, playing it straight, like, the fact that they were just like, oh, yeah, that's what's happening and, like, what we're playing charades like what that's so weird and um and that the guy like he at the i forget his name but richard at the end of it that richard that he's telling harry like if i don't do this then we can't get married because my family will never give their consent and he says it in this way like he's expecting her to then be like oh well then go ahead like yeah it's a little bit interesting i think how how i did appreciate that too because i was worried i couldn't remember how this episode ended and i was pretty sure that she left him but i wasn't positive and again, especially because they are kind of, everything is sort of like comedic about the whole situation that I was worried that they were going to brush under the rug and be like, oh, what a silly misunderstanding. <laughs> so I'm yeah. sad for her that she doesn't have a fiance anymore, but I'm glad that when they tried to murder someone, she wasn't cool with it. Yeah, I will say, though, that when I first started this episode, I had a vague idea of what 
it was about, but I did not at all remember that it was the bachelor party mm. of Doyle's ex-wife's new, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like her new fiance, like I didn't remember the connection to Doyle at all. So I was like, oh wait, that's right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Forgotten so much. I do think we should talk about the real scary nightmare part of this episode, which is that Cordelia has to go to like a bridal shower for someone she doesn't even know. I'm glad that she does it willingly and she's really positive about it. But like, that's my nightmare. It's not even a bachelorette party. Seemingly. It's kind of like a shower. Literally like playing shower games with a bunch of strangers that she's never met. Well, I think Cordelia goes so that she can get more insight into this past of Doyle. Like I think she's being really nice because she's just curious about Harry. That's true. I I think she's also just kind of being nice because Harriet makes a plea where she's like, oh, I don't have I don't know anyone else here yeah and Cordelia is a little bit nice but like she's also asking all those questions about Doyle Mm -hmm. you know um that's where we find out I guess he was a third grade teacher somehow (laughs) you know what else is kind of frustrating about this episode though is as much as they are filling us in on Doyle's backstory we also don't find out like anything about what kind of demon he is or like Angel just makes a vague reference to, like, you're stronger when you're in your demon form. But, like, what are his powers? You know? Not powers maybe isn't the right word, but, like, it's just kind of weird. I can't remember if the other episode goes deep into that or not. I feel like it doesn't, though. It just, again, just kind of treats them like they're a different culture, but not, like, you know, I don't know. I guess it doesn't really matter. And also for all the backstory exploring, like, Cordelia still has no idea that Doyle's part demon. Right. Which I don't understand. Like, that's that's not a thing about this ongoing story that I enjoy. Like, yeah, I agree. Cordelia's been around on, you know, Sunnydale long enough that... I mean, I don't Angel's think, like, literally a vampire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know why Doyle thinks that she's necessarily going to care about that. Or, like, he hasn't learned his lesson from this first marriage, which is that if he doesn't tell her about it up front, like, maybe that's what's going to cause things to not go well, you know? this like lack of honesty it's not that he was a demon well i don't think it's that he hid it from his first wife it's that he didn't know until they were already right married. but i guess i would it seems like the what the message that he internalized is that she left him because he was a demon but like lying about that situation doesn't change it you know right it still seems like the surprise was what part of what scared his first wife so like i don't know I just don't know what his long-term plan is. I guess his long-term plan isn't to marry Cordelia. No, I think it's a Mm short-term plan. Yeah, I just put that together for myself. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think overall step up from last week. Yeah. And big, I think, I think the, the important part about this episode is it ends with this vision that Doyle gets about Buffy. <laughs> I like how that's the important part um, of the episode for you is this like 10 second clip at the end. (laughs) Well, let me finish my thought. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that it's important because he then gets this vision of Buffy that directly leads to the events of the next two episodes <laughs> for Buffy or the next episode for Buffy and Angel, but then kind of puts both shows on an arc of a string of really good episodes. Okay. That's where I was going with that. I don't feel like that changed <laughs> my reaction to it at all. <laughs> 
You're still saying no, I'm that saying, this 40-minute episode. That I think, no, what I'm saying is that I think this episode is like a step up from what we've seen in the last couple oh, of weeks. But okay, I think okay. that the the better thing overall about this episode is it it's like the very end of it is the, the, the spark that leads to like this good string of episodes. I still show. feel like what you're saying is the best thing about this episode is the next episode. Possibly. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just a funny way to compliment an episode (laughs) um I'm interested in the next few and how they go I am as we are with the Xander situation just kind of baffled that they couldn't have figured out sooner kind of how to write these characters so that we the viewers wouldn't be left with such like bad taste in our mouths trying to like retcon our feelings you know maybe or maybe you and I are approaching this from you know the wrong angle of you know, essentially 15 years in the future, like where, sure. um, maybe at the time people didn't have a bad taste in their mouths cause Doyle was just normal. I guess that's true. It's still depressing though. Oh, it's super depressing, but I keep trying to remind myself like this attitude around a character like that is, it wasn't always the case mm-hmm. even for me personally. I mean, we talked yeah, about how the last true. time you and I watched this together, we don't remember having this big of an issue. Yeah. True. True, true, true. <sighs> yeah. Well, so next week we're going to watch Pangs. I know you're excited yep. about that. I'm nervous about that one. <laughs> I, okay, I understand why you're nervous because there is a whole angle that you have to kind of just go with and accept that that wasn't the intention of the show mm-hmm. and like that they're trying to make a point. And as always, when they try to make certain points about certain issues, it's clumsy and whatever. But it's just, I think, overall an enjoyable episode I try to watch it every Thanksgiving. <laughs> and, I'm more excited about the Angel episode. Well, I was going to say, and not to compliment it in the same way, but it leads to <laughs> a thing. really good episode of Angel. I do remember this episode, and I remember how kind of crushing it is, but um, I haven't seen it very much. Unlike with Buffy, you know, like I've, I've really only seen Angel the once through, um, so I am excited to kind of watch it. It is almost a not completely fresh eyes, but... Yeah. Lest we ever forget that Joss Whedon is not afraid to take your heart and stomp on mm-hmm. it, we will get a reminder. So, yeah, so we've got Pangs and I Will Remember mm-hmm. You, and then um, I think we're starting a pretty positive uptick. Yeah, I think you're right about at least Angel's going to get itself yeah. together, hopefully. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so f- for this week, I guess, if we're doing teams... Oh. Um... I'm gonna, I'm gonna be Team Riley. <laughs> I I feel like I, just I have really to loved again. Him, like, like I know I said it last week, but yeah. I feel like no. I mean, this was like a very positive Riley episode. Certainly not gonna be Team Doyle. No, never. Yeah. Um. <sighs> do you have any pop culture recommendations for the week? Um. Sort of. <laughs> this isn't really a recommendation. It actually ties into some stuff I was uh, rambling about at the beginning of this episode. But I finally got a New York City Public Library card, and it's amazing. It's already changed my life, mostly for work reasons, but I'm still just, I, I don't know why, like, libraries were not emphasized in my family, and I didn't really, I mean, I used the library a lot in college, but it, you know, as soon as you leave college, you, like, lose access to all the, like, databases and everything that you had, um, but yeah, I just... 
I mean, if you live in New York City and you don't have a library card, like, you should get one immediately because it was super easy to get one. And I, like, the online resources that they have that you can access from your home are just incredible. Like, I haven't used this because I've always had some sort of access to it from work, but there's, um, you can take, like, lynda.com classes through the library um, without, you know, for free, um, just as part of your memberships. But they also just, like, you can just get so many resources digitally. Um, and like, I've been doing all this fact checking for work and it's really, you can get really far with Google and Google books, but sometimes you just can't find the right exact thing. And, you know, like I remember being in college and having access to JSTOR and just being like, you can pretty much find everything that's ever been published or written ever for easily. And like not having that without paying a, a a ton of money is, is kind of sad and annoying, but like, I feel like I'm back in that place where I'm like, Oh, just using my computer at home, I can get to a ton of stuff. And then if you actually go to the library, you can get even more man libraries who knew just kidding. I knew I just am saying that in particular, the New York city public library just has wonderful, wonderful resources. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, my, I think first full day living in San Francisco, I went and got a library card mm -hmm. because you know, like for me, I use it more for like actual just reading books, mm -hmm. but it's a great resource. And I, I try to use it more. Um, I think I was telling you that I've gotten into reading, using it for like eBooks, mm -hmm. um, even though I, I much prefer physical copies of books. But the problem with the library is their hours don't really Line mesh up. very yeah. well with my work schedule. So it's really hard for me to go get actual books. But since I've discovered that I can just rent eBooks mm -hmm. from the library, it's, it's amazing. Um, because I'm really trying to buy fewer books mm -hmm. because I will be found buried alive in a <laughs> trove of books. But, um, I, I agree with you. I think it's a unsung resource sometimes and it's just, I love it. Well, and again, you know? yeah, like not that I didn't know this and I'm sure this stuff varies a lot city to city and like, you know, New York is pretty good about these things, but like, when I went to the, you do have to go to the, to an actual like location to get your card. But when I was right. there, you know, they obviously have like little posters for like all those different things that they do. Like not just that they do like readings and events for kids, but like for adults, like if I were job hunting, which is a position that I've been in before, you know, like it's trying to take online classes or anything like that can get very expensive, even if you do something that's like pretty no frills. And so I was like, Oh, just being able to go take lynda.com classes like that on its own is just like, that's a really cool service to provide to the whole residents, all the residents of, of this major city. So even just things like that, where I was like, man, I could really get far just using this and not paying for anything. Yeah. I didn't realize that they did that. I wonder if the San Francisco library does that as mm -hmm. well. Cause I have access to that through work, but I I've never seen it advertised mm -hmm. on their website, but, um, I mean, maybe New York does it because they have more money yeah. and it's, uh, also, I mean, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. I guess I was just impressed. And in, in retrospect, it's like obvious, like a little bit, you know, why wouldn't they have that? But I still think it's cool. Maybe I had a library card growing up, but I almost never used it. Actually, I definitely had one, but I never used it. <sighs> uh, what about you? Um, I don't really have anything this week. Mm, okay. Yeah. I mean... I've still just been watching the Olympics, so okay. um, I guess I'll second my recommendation from last week. <laughs> Fully unashamed watching it without irony. I Actually, you know what? I'm like Buffy. I enjoy the ice capades without <laughs> irony. I've been watching a lot of figure skating this week. It's been high drama. Yeah. So. Ugh, I should watch it. I do love figure skating, but 
Oh man, someone made a great reference to my the D and D podcast that I listened to, and they were like talking about how Tara Lipinski and Johnny Weir are just like these two characters in this D and D arc, and it's the funniest <laughs> thing that I've read in like weeks. It's not funny if you don't know who they are, but they're just like people who are just equating them to like these two like really outlandish, over the top elven characters. Or like they're not elves; they're um, liches, <laughs> like dead magical beings and it was just a really funny mental image i've heard, i've seen them more compared to you as like the people from the Hunger oh Games. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, mostly because of johnny weir's hairstyle but um no it's you know it's just fun and they've got it on at work during the day which mm-hmm. is kind of a nice change of pace from th- there was a stretch where they just had cnn all the t- on oh, all the God. time and i was like That's i just so can't stressful. do that right yeah <laughs> so depressing um so they've had the Olympics on, and it's been kind of fun. So, and, you know, come home and watch. And, you know, I live on the West Coast, so it's wrapped up by, like, 9.30 or 10, mm-hmm. which is great. And still... Maybe I'll watch some this weekend. Yeah, this weekend should be good. They're doing the men's finals for the figure skating tonight. And then I think, mm-hmm. if, I, if I'm if i correct, I think then it's the ice dancers. And then I think the women are usually last. So, yeah. um, but I don't the, know like, if the ice dancing time. is happening... Yeah, I don't know if that's happening this weekend. Okay. Probably, I would assume. I could look it up. I think they have figure skating, like, every day, basically, or every <laughs> other day. Um, I've been watching some of the skiing, which is interesting. Hmm. Um, the snowboard halfpipe is always great. But yeah. But I think those are mostly done. Yeah. No, I... I, I I'm still talking about this way too much, but like, yeah, watch the Olympics. <laughs> well, not to bury this all the way at the end of the episode, but we have one other thing to talk about really quickly. Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> we probably should have led with this. Uh, but we got and our... This is very- the listener mail section. This <laughs> is the listener mail section of our podcast. It's new because we've never really gotten any before. That's not fair to Jordan, who has written us a lot, but he's also been on the podcast, so it's clear that we're friends in real life. <laughs> Um, but we got our first actual piece of fan mail, um, and it just, like, totally made our week, year? I don't know. It was really exciting. I mean, look, six weeks into the year, I'm confident in saying it made my year so far. Yeah, I was, like, on (laughs) such a little high after that. I, like, texted Allie all excited, because she doesn't actually check the email ever. I was like, you have to read this thing, and yeah, somebody took the time to tell us that they enjoyed our podcast, and to give us a couple of specific things that they even like about it. Yeah. So it was very um, nice. It only took four seasons. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, well, we yeah, appreciate guess, it though because, yeah. well, good feedback is always amazing to hear, but also just that someone's out there listening to the world. <laughs> I really pretend like we're the only people that ever hear this. Uh, Everyone knows that bananas are a berry <laughs> now. Uh, um,. Great. Well, on that note, I'll talk to you next week. Yes. And to other potential strange listeners, write to us. We love it. It's great. People, even people we know, like, you know, Claire, you can write to us too. It's, it's okay. We, we don't bite. So, um, but Allie won't read it until I tell her to. That's probably true. (laughs) Until Jenny alerts me (laughs) that it's there. Yes. I'll sign it for both of us. Um, Yeah. Uh, okay, so like we said about five times already, but next week is Pangs, and I will remember you, and Ginny, I will talk to you then. Okay, bye. And bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie, 
And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at OMWC Podcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com. 